0: When Sam decided to bring us back together, I was like, "This so is excited. awesome!" And also, I need to like prepare myself for the experience. So, yeah,
1: Let me tell you, <laughs> here we are. I don't are. think you guys should have any fears because it's like you know, when the old band gets together, they still know the moves, like in sync. No matter how old they get, if they get on the same stage, they'll know the choreo to Bye Bye Bye. They'll yeah. always know it.
0: Yeah, and I right? still know. I, how to, I, I, I know still it. know
2: the choreography to that song.
3: <laughs> hey, y'all. This is Sam's Aunt Betty. This week, why we're in a labor shortage
0: and what reopening feels like. All right, let's start the show.
1: Hey, y'all, you're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. And this episode, I am so happy to welcome back one of the most dynamic duos in public radio history, uh, small disclosure, one of them right now is not officially in the public radio family, but it still counts. Two of my favorites, Cardiff Garcia, Stacey Vanek-Smith. Hello, 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 hello.
2: Hi, Sam. Hey,
0: Sam. Nice to still be in
1: it's your warm embrace. nice to
2: see your face, <laughs> Cardiff. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. I recognize that closet <laughs> and that blanket.
1: That's right, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. There are bar- They're there dogs barking. Hold on. Give me one sec. you hear them? Yeah. Oh, I love it. The, the perils of...
0: Semi-live radio? Oh, yeah. You know, whatever it is we're doing. Right.
1: (laughs) Uh, Before we go too far, I want to say the last time we had Stacey and Cardiff together on this show, they both were co-hosts of the Daily Economics podcast from NPR, The Indicator. Um, Since that last time, Cardiff has gone off to start a new venture, but he'll always be Indicator NPR family. I'm excited about it. Me
0: too. There might be tears. (laughs) Might be a little rusty, by the way. Oh, please! Might be a little oh, rusty. You'll be it fine. it a couple you'll of months. You'll be fine. You know, I'm you'll lowering be expectations because uh, I don't want to get crushed when I lose our next edition of uh, Who Said That? Because I feel <laughs> like
2: one last time cheating, but you did win, I oh
0: Wow! Wow! Yeah! After, wow. Y'all, after y'all. <laughs> a long losing streak, and I just want to say, even if I do lose. It's been exhausting <laughs> at the top, okay? I get nervous walking down the street. If everyone starts gawking, it'll cause like a traffic accident. Like, so if I that lose and really said knows that, pop culture. no big deal. <laughs> yeah.
1: I love how eager you both are to play who said that uh, because we also talk about the news as well. Who said that's going to come a little later with you two. But first, I do have to make the two of you economics reporters talk about the economy. That's the official business. Yes,
2: let's start with that.
1: I have some questions about the current state of our economy that are stumping me. And it's this weird juxtaposition in our economy right now. You know, we're living in this world, in this nation that's beginning to open up again. It seems like normal is returning. And all these employers are saying, we're back, we're back, we're back. But I see these reports Of businesses having a hard time attracting workers, while at the same time, the unemployment rate is still pretty high. The official term for this is a labor shortage. I want to unpack it all. But first, define what this thing is and give me some numbers to put it in perspective.
2: Uh, Well... You're exactly right, and it that's is, what I
1: like to hear. Thank you, Stacy. You are exactly
2: right, Sam. It is this mystery. It is a true mystery, and it comes back to the very, very fundamentals of economics: supply and demand. Right? There is a huge supply of people who need jobs. Millions and millions of people are unemployed right now, and and by the way, we are not like creating jobs in this economy as fast as we were hoping. Like it's pretty grim. At the same time, as you have all these millions of unemployed people. Strangely, you have all these employers saying that they cannot get people to fill their jobs. You've got places like Dunkin' Donuts offering like $300 signing bonuses. Really? McDonald's in Florida offered a signing bonus. I talked to a guy who runs a casino, the Hard Rock Casino in Cleveland. He was offering dealers $4,000 signing bonuses. There's just like a terrible staffing shortage all across the country. And if you look at it on its face, it just doesn't make sense.
1: So, Cardiff, have you ever seen anything like this in the American economy? It's so weird to me.
0: No, not, not in our lifetime. And, and I thought that was beautifully articulated by Stacy. There's this really weird disconnect happening where if you just look at total employment, how many people have jobs, there's about 8 million fewer people in the country that have jobs Then had them before the pandemic actually started, right? Then the peak before the pandemic. That's a lot of people, right? There also happened to be about 8 million job openings in the economy right now.
1: Okay, so now I'm just a simple man, but uh, couldn't the eight million just go into the eight million jobs and then we're good. Solved, done,
0: no problem, back to right? pre-pandemic levels yes. of employment. Yes. So yeah. yeah, so that to me sort of captures the mystery that Stacy was describing. Like why are they not sort of lining up, you know? And and so that's the thing that I think economists are studying and which right now we can talk about possible reasons, but I don't think we've quite nailed it just
1: yet. So we, through the magic of radio pre-production, had both of you kind of outline three big reasons that might kind of explain this labor shortage, and I want us to tick through the three, if that's okay. Um, One is this continued unemployment extra stuff and stimulus check thing. Two is just child care issues. And then three is like coronavirus fears, which are still lingering. Can we unpack those three in whatever order you choose?
2: Well, I think the one that has struck me from the beginning of the pandemic is the child care issue. So many women dropped out of the workforce, more so than men. And in fact, right now, men with young children are more likely to have a job than your average man. And women... Wait, really? Yeah. I think because maybe there's like extra motivation. You know, They've got young kids, they're trying to bring in extra income, whereas women with young children are less likely than your average woman to be in the workforce. Huh. And I think there's there's a danger here that we're going to lose a lot of progress from women in the workforce, I think, because There's also this effect called scarring. So when women are out of the workforce, even for like a year or two, like your skills get a little rusty. There's a gap in your resume that looks like a red flag to employers potentially. You know, you lose that momentum. And so people come back in at lower salaries, at lower positions. It can really make a huge setback in your career that reverberates for years.
1: So that's the first big reason, child care issues. Cardiff, unpack the second reason, which has gotten really, really political these last few weeks. Mm -hmm. This is the continued extra unemployment checks that lots of folks are getting from the federal government. Yeah. More than 20 Republican governors are saying they're going to stop taking these extra unemployment benefits for their state's residents because they want folks to get back to work. What's up with that? How big of a deal is this?
0: I have a pretty aggressive take on this, actually. Um, and That's what I want to hear. <laughs> well, what I would say is this. You know, economists are still debating the extent to which, if at all— these added benefits uh, are disincentivizing people from going back to work, from accepting jobs right now because they're getting a little bit of extra help for the government. So first of all, let's keep in mind that these added benefits are already set to expire in September. And the main point I would make is that even the studies finding that there is some disincentivizing effect are showing that that effect is really quite small, that it's not a big one. And also, I I hate the way this debate is often framed as, like, this binary thing of, like, you know— People are just living off the dole or they're trying to get back to work. Like, this is ridiculous. We're talking about human beings. And specifically, we're talking about a population of people that's been jobless, in some cases, for quite some time. And they're, you know, thinking about how they're going to re-enter the labor force. I would actually set aside, like, my economics data-driven demeanor or whatever for a second and just ask, like— Can we give people a break? Like, is it okay for people to catch a break? What's wrong with catching a break for just a few more months while people try to figure out what arrangements they have to make to reenter the labor market? I
1: like that. People have different needs, different wants. It changes over time, which leads me to the third point that might explain this labor shortage, and it is kind of an emotional thing. Fear of going back to work because of the coronavirus still kind of being around a lot of these unfilled jobs are concentrated in food service jobs and service industry jobs uh, where those employees have a lot of potential exposure to coronavirus. But also what's true for those kind of employees is that their wages are usually very low. How much of those jobs not being filled right now is folks that would go into those jobs saying, The pay was too low before the pandemic. It needs to be higher now, and I'll wait.
0: Yeah, it's a great question. And so if you look at service sector wages, they're actually doing okay. They're growing about how they were growing before the pandemic even hit. But that doesn't mean that raising those wages even more. would not, you know, have an effect because it's not like those were the highest paying jobs in the economy before the pandemic. They absolutely were not. A lot of those jobs were low wage jobs, you know, jobs in leisure and hospitality in particular, bars, restaurants, hotels. That's where there remains a huge shortfall of people hired relative to before the pandemic. And those jobs are all like, you know, person facing essentially. And so I I think, you know, it's hard to quantify just how many jobs have not been filled because of fear of the virus? But it would be weird. It would strain credulity to think that that's not having like a pretty
1: significant effect right now. Yeah. I want to bring up a thing that some people are speculating might happen. We're seeing employers start to increase wages to get folks back into the job market. And some are saying this might lead to inflation What are the chances of that? Should we worry about that? And what does that look and feel like if it happens?
2: Um, Well, I do worry about inflation. So another way to define inflation is just too much money chasing too few goods. And I worry about Mm. this gap. Right. I mean, for some people, the pandemic has been financially, economically quite lucrative. Like certain companies and certain people, you know, it's like it's been a time of like wealth accumulation and spending. And and then you've got people on the other part of the economy who are really struggling. And I'm afraid that prices will go up. I mean, the shortages, um, there's this really interesting idea in economics that shortages are actually inflation because – It means that there's too much money chasing too few goods in an economy and and the overheating can happen. I mean, we're either going to leave a Mm. giant chunk of our population, millions of people in just a terrible and like uh, unconscionable situation. Uh, But I also think there is a risk at overheating the economy. Our money starts losing its value. Prices start going up. I mean, that's hard on everybody, too. Uh, I'm freaked out about it. I was okay. always like way more paranoid about inflation than Cardiff was. This was okay. a discussion we've been having since it's a housing market. <laughs> I mean, we did have that. This was a big discussion back in like the days of quantitative easing and the housing crisis. Everyone was like, all this government spending is going to lead to Ooh, I inflation. I have not heard
1: quantitative easing in a long time. I know, time. i that out. That's a deep cut right
2: there, yeah. Deep cut. Deep cut. But anyway, I mean, and that inflation never yeah. happens.
1: So we'll see. We don't know yet. I am worried yet. about
2: it. I mean, prices are going up and the shortages. Yeah. Time will tell. Time yeah. will tell.
0: Sam, you got to invite us back on and six months and then we'll have uh, a better answer for it oh yes oh yes
1: we can settle i'll be
2: drinking my ten dollar starbucks coffee
1: (laughs) (laughs) on that note uh stacy cardiff thank you both so much for as always making the economy make sense to me Uh, i want you both to stick around for a little bit because when we come back there's going to be a a re-showdown of the two Uh of you playing who said that
4: who said that
1: What happens after a police officer shoots someone who's unarmed? For decades in California, internal affairs investigations, how the police police themselves, were secret. Until now. Listen to On Our Watch, a podcast from NPR and KQED. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders, joined this week by, I gotta say, full disclosure, two of my favorite guests on the show ever, of all time, every time they're here. Yes, a most dynamic duo, Stacey Vanek-Smith and Cardiff Garcia. Stacey is the host of NPR's The Indicator podcast. Cardiff, I want you to tell folks what your new title or current title should be. Yeah, so the the new business uh, is called Bizarre Audio, and that's bizarre like
0: the marketplace, not not like strange. Um, and <laughs> yeah, and so we're going to be launching uh, a couple of original podcasts uh, later later this year. Um, yeah, it's exciting, but also as I said before, you know, a little bit bittersweet because uh, I don't get to hang out with Stacey every day anymore, which is a bit of a
1: bummer. But yeah, although right now you two are hanging out, I know. <laughs> Uh, well, it is time to play my favorite game, Who Said That?
5: Who said that?
1: The two oh, of you, it. Stacey and Cardiff, have played this game against each other a few times, and I want to uh, say y'all have been keeping score. Who's up right now?
2: Cardiff. No, I only
0: That's won right the now. last one. I think you're up for the series. I only won the most recent one. I don't think and it was I'm a huge am up for
2: the series. Fluke. I think you always underhandedly win. It's very unfair. Yeah. <laughs>
1: underhandedly. Underhandedly. My goodness. <laughs> Well, the game is quite simple. I share a quote from the week of news. You got to tell me okay. who said that or what story we're talking about. Let's just get to it. Here's the first quote. Tell me who said it. The New York Post has a story on peacocks today and say, I have 16 on my farm. I actually have 21 of these glorious birds whose house is impeccable. They do not smell. They are so clean. Their voices are loud, but such fun to hear. They are so friendly. Who said that? This is somebody who owns It's got to be a New Yorker.
2: <laughs> it's got to be a New Yorker, right? Cuz who else reads the post?
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is a quintessential home improvement guru. Oh, oh is it
2: um what's the, that couple? Oh, wait, is it Martha
1: Stewart? It's... Yes.
0: yes. It's Martha Stewart. Yeah. One nothing, just like that. Yeah. I have, like, a list of people that I I was just going to say, no matter what the quote was, what I didn't know. I was going to say, like, it's Mark Hamill or Kanye West or something like that. (laughs) Um, You should
1: just rattle off. You
2: should have, like, a list of, like, (laughs) people in the news and just say them really fast. Yeah,
1: and hope it (laughs) hits. Yes, (laughs) yes. Yes. So the latest occurrence of fake news occurred in the New York Post a few days ago all about Martha Stewart's peacocks. I guess they said she has 16 and it's kind of a mess and they're nasty. She said, in fact, I got 21 and uh, the house is clean. Um, I gotta say, whatever Martha Stewart does, I love it. I just do.
2: I feel like both are possibly true like both peacocks are messy and terrible and the peacocks in martha stewart's house are perfectly clean don't oh, you yeah. think those two yeah, things because could who's be-
1: gonna mess up martha stewart's house i'd be right. afraid to
2: no the peacocks probably are like they like heal in the house they're like you know what <laughs> this is a really good gig don't mess it up or she's got people running around behind the messy terrible peacocks mm-hmm. like silencing them and picking up their mess
0: Yeah. Maybe the peacocks appreciate the aesthetics, you know?
1: Yeah. They like the vibes. It's soothing. They just want to chill. Also, if anyone could house train peacocks, it's Martha Stewart. It's
2: Martha Stewart. I mean. It's Martha Stewart.
1: Yeah. Uh, Who got that point? Oh, Stacy, you got that point. Yeah.
2: Up one nothing. Stacy, you got that point.
1: This is back to normal, I
0: think, after the anomaly Uh of the last
2: time. You're being very gracious, Cardiff, and you're (laughs) making me feel bad.
1: This (laughs) next quote is a fill in the blank. Uh, Tell me what should be in the blank. Here we go. A sexually transmissible fungus that turns blanks into hyper pansexual zombie super spreaders and makes their butts fall off is playing havoc with millions.
0: A hyper, can you say it one more time? Can we hear up. the can we hear the, the yeah. thing again?
1: A sexually transmissible fungus that turns blanks into hyper-pansexual cicadas. zombies. Yes. Yes. Is it cicadas? How did you know that? <laughs> there
2: are, like, sexy zombie cicadas wandering around? <laughs> yeah. Cica- you didn't see yeah. this? You say cicadas. cicadas. I say cicadas. 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 Is, that,
1: is that? I don't know. So Cardiff got this one. Um, this is one of the weirder stories I've seen in a long time. We all know or we've seen headlines that there are a ton of cicadas plaguing the Washington DC metro area they've been like hibernating for 17 years now they're coming out to like mate and then die so it's just Speaking like cicadas ben all affleck over. And,
2: and and jlo were together right when they went underground and they're together again it's like they never mm-hmm. broke
1: up you're right. Wait, the benefit timeline lines up with the cicada timeline? That's there's Stacy, that, my there's mind is no blown. That that's not.
2: That there's no way that's a coincidence. And I think the fungus might be in there, like the, the zombie butt fungus. I think that's like somehow tied in. It's also in JLo
1: and benefit Oh my god, I believe it. So, all these cicadas are like coming out rearing their heads again, but this week some scientists say these cicadas are like dealing with a weird STD, or sexually transmissible fungus. And the fungus makes them all super sex crazed, uh, but it also makes their butts fall off and makes them want to mate with anybody, and it's just weird. It's well, really they, weird. It's like
2: they've been in pandemic for 17 years. Of course they want to mate with anybody. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like
1: Yeah, yeah. Been the like, cicadas of course- are us. Can I the say cicadas that? Oh my zeros, yeah. like
2: out of our apartment, like you.
0: Yeah, and plus, like they know their you know lifespan once they get above ground is pretty short anyway. So if they catch so a sexually well transmissible fun. fungus, who cares?
1: That ain't nothing. The cicadas yeah. are basically like we're here. <laughs> okay, what's the phrase that they say? Not here for a long time, but here for a good time. Here for a good time, I mean, not Yolo. a long time. Yeah, it's like yeah. YOLO
2: cicadas.
1: <laughs> YOLO cicadas. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Uh, okay, who got that one? That was Garden. man. Uh, was we we
2: but
0: yes, we are
1: tied. This is also a fill in the blank, our last quote. Uh, it's Wow, it's, it's really hitting me in the heart more than I thought it would. Here's the quote. The end is finally near for blank. One of Microsoft's most reviled products that refused to die. What product?
2: Bill Gates? <laughs> <laughs> well right the whole Melinda Bill Gates thing came out and he's been hanging out with Epstein and I just I thought those crazy kids would make it they seemed like the sane billionaires I don't know I was I
0: very sad sane billionaire. I have an answer that I think might be is it Belinda? it's a product right the question is is a it's Microsoft a product. Product, it's a product right product. Okay, they're yes. also uh, a product uh, did Microsoft <laughs> yes. make Zunes? Zunes are Zunes still around? Are Zunes are
1: gone this Zunes is one gone. that still shows up on your work computer and you don't want to use it Oh, my God. Clippy, like, Clippy. would you want to make Clippy? this your default browser? I miss Ooh. Clippy. No. no. Here's a hint phrase. It can't be Outlook, right? Would, no. Outlook? Here, I'm going to give y'all a hint. My whole life phrased. is okay. controlled by okay. Outlook. Okay. 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 I'm going to give y'all it? a hint. Would you like to make this your default browser?
2: Bing? Oh. Oh, it's a... It's, um, Bing. What this is this a default Microsoft time.
1: Internet browser?
2: Oh. oh. Explorer. Oh.
1: Yes. Oh. Yes. Internet Explorer. Oh, my okay. goodness. It was so much fun but we got and I lost there. Again. I know. Yeah. It's okay. Oh, man. It's that okay. Was tough Believe one. in yourself. So, this week Microsoft announced that they're going to finally put Internet Explorer out of its misery. The browser is going away. It used to be the most popular web browser and now it's only used by 5% of internet users. Um sorry Microsoft Internet Explorer. I will not miss you at all. <laughs> and
2: I feel bad for throwing shade yeah. at Bill Gates. I mean, Unnecessarily. I don't. He'll be
0: I have, fine. Me neither. Yeah. He'll be fine. be fine. He'll be yeah.
1: fine.
2: <laughs> hey,
0: Sam, uh, I thought I might spring a surprise on you since you're always grilling Stacy and me. I brought a little oh. Who Said That for you. Yes! All right. Oh my God! Oh my
1: God!
0: That's right. My, okay, I'm, I'm going to give you a okay. hint, Sam.
2: The answer might be Jerome Powell, head of the Federal Reserve. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that in. <laughs> as Definitely a not this sport. one. Uh-huh. Definitely
0: not for this one. Uh-huh. Uh, so here's the quote, and just tell us who said that. Okay. It is no measure of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society. Oh.
1: I said I said that to my therapist.
0: <laughs> I was going to say Dr. Fauci, but
2: then I thought no. <laughs>
0: Uh, it is a very famous singer uh, who was profiled this week in the New York Times, which is where I found the quote: Aesop Rocky, no.
1: Demi Lovato, No, uh, Billy Eilish, No, Lord, Taylor uh, Swift, think, Beyonce, think, Mariah Carey. Think a few decades ago. Here's the here's
0: the hint that I think will give it to you. Once got in a lot of trouble for tearing up a picture of the Pope on Saturday Night Live. Sinead
1: O'Connor. Sinead O'Connor seven is talking to the press again. That's the one.
0: Days. So, essentially, Sinead O'Connor was profiled in the New York Times, but what makes that quote fascinating is that she left it as a comment underneath the article that was written about her. It wasn't what? in the article itself. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I love her IDGAF energy. She's got it. Fiona <laughs> Apple's got it. They're just like, I don't care about none of y'all. I'm speaking my truth.
2: How did you flip the tables on who said that, Cardiff? <laughs> because
1: because it's so <laughs> <When> nerve wracking.
2: <you're, laughs> I was like, Sam needs to be
0: He's not
1: this. held to any standards of employment. He is his own boss. <laughs> oh, he that's does what true. He wants. He's
2: the
0: CEO Cardiff
1: unleashed. <laughs> that's
2: Cardiff right. Unleashed. I
0: love it. Exactly. It's the co-founder is the right, CEO
1: right, of Who Said That because he wanted this. That's week. right. Oh,
0: Sorry, yes. Breaking things everywhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> On that note, I want to thank you both for being here. I'm so happy to have been part of a Stacy and Cardiff reunion. Um, it's always a good time talking with y'all, friends. Please come back soon. Okay? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Anytime. Anytime.
1: Coming up, we're going to get personal with The Recovery. We heard from a lot of listeners about how they are slowly reemerging back into some kind of normal life. We'll hear from you all about that.
5: This message comes from NPR
6: sponsor Amazon Prime Video with The Underground Railroad. From Academy Award winner Barry Jenkins and based on the Pulitzer Prize-winning novel by Colson Whitehead, the new Amazon original The Underground Railroad chronicles Cora Randall, played by newcomer Tuso Mbeidu. When she discovers an actual network of trains and tunnels beneath the southern soil, Cora must evade a violent bounty hunter before she can find freedom. Watch The Underground Railroad now on Amazon Prime Video.
3: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Verbo. Your family reunion is more important than ever. That's why Verbo has private, whole vacation homes for the whole family and just the family, no shared room or spaces. So whether it's around the pool, grill, or patio, your family will have the space and privacy to finally reconnect. Download the Verbo app. The time for getting back together is now. As you heard earlier in the show, our economy is
1: trying to get back to some kind of normal. But it's a weird and sometimes slow process. But, bit by bit, it is happening. And I know I am feeling the same way. Bit by bit, it's happening. There are signs of life all around us right now. More of us are vaccinated. Masks are coming off. People are ready to maybe start life in the aftertimes. So in that bit-by-bit, it's-happening spirit. For this next segment, we wanted to ask you what it's been like to start making this return to some kind of normal. We heard from a lot of you. In Hibbing, Minnesota, the high school drama department just opened their first live in-person musical, Peter and the Starcatcher, and they sent us audio of their backstage warm-up. Dr. Pepper,
4: Coca-Cola, pass Pepsi, please! Dr. Pepper, Coca-Cola, pass Pepsi, please!
3: I'm recording this
6: in the Charleston airport while I'm waiting for my friend to arrive from Atlanta and just drinking a beer. My boyfriend and I live together, so I think this is the first time we're
4: apart for more than a few hours for over 10 months.
1: So Iris was feeling kind of weird to be on her own, and Leslie got to see her parents for the first time in a year and a half.
6: And tonight... My dad is cooking his famous spicy noodles, a recipe he's been doing since he was an international grad student. And all the Korean grad students would play poker once a week and make this dish at two in the morning.
2: So we're very excited about it.
1: You know, one of the first things I did post two weeks after the second shot is eat inside of a restaurant. And I milked every second of it. I had them explain the whole menu to me. I even let them talk me through the wine list. I don't care about wine. They eventually had to kick me out of that restaurant because I'd hit my 90 minutes. But it was the best eviction. Anywho, It's Been a Minute producer Sylvie Douglas spent some time looking for other signs of life out in the real world. And she found a few stories to share. First up, she's going to share a thing that she did for the first time in a very long time.
6: Welcome to the Armory. Keep following the dots, and we're all going to have a fantastic, spectacular dance extravaganza. And with that, what's your last name? Douglas. D-O-U-G-L-I-S. Sylvie. Yep, that's me. Amazing, Sylvie. Glad I have missed dancing so much this year, and last month I found the closest thing to a dance party I could find mid-pandemic—an event billed as a new, interactive, and experiential movement piece.
3: Welcome, vibrating palms. The circle we are in and the spotlight are yours for the next hour while we dance together.
6: This was a socially distanced dance party, and it was created by choreographer Stephen Hodgett, set designer Christine Jones, and David Byrne of the Talking Heads. About a hundred of us were temperature checked then rapid-tested for COVID-19, then we were ushered onto the dance floor at the Park Avenue Armory, a building the length and width of a city block. Wow, okay, so we're walking into this huge room that has a bunch of lights, and everyone is getting in their own little bubble. There's green and red and pink and yellow bubbles on the ground. We were spaced out in circles 12 feet apart, and when you looked out across this enormous hall, you could see rows and rows of little silhouettes of people in the distance, masked up and ready to dance.
4: Hi, I'm David Byrne. Thank you for coming. Okay, you can dance once this all gets going. There's no right way to do this. There's no wrong way to do this. Anything is okay. Let's start by warming up a little bit with a neck roll. Roll your head in a clockwise direction.
6: I thought for a moment back to moment all the fashion. zoom exercise classes I'd taken over the past year. Standing in a tiny corner of my apartment and just trying to relax.
4: It's easy. Everybody can do this.
3: Now we're gonna have a move. You know it. The hand sanitizer.
6: A lot of the dance moves were over the top, kind of theatrical, like being in an avant-garde boy band. Cover the back, cover
4: the You got too much. Too much.
6: it. I felt a little silly flicking imaginary hand sanitizer on the people 12 feet away from me. But my self-consciousness fell away at one moment.
4: Now go to the edge of your circle. That's it.
6: Something about walking backwards around my own designated dancing circle and seeing dozens of other people do the same was so absurd, I laughed out loud. And then I leaned in with full abandon. It wasn't the same as dancing pre-pandemic at a bar, or at a wedding, or at a Zumba class, but the energy was there.
3: I am going on the first date in like forever, Saturday. Um, I'm nervous, because I haven't met a new person in a long time. But it's also just so exciting. And the flowers are blooming. And it's like, who cares? <laughs> like, You know, it could be a terrible date, and I think I'd still be really happy. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a terrible date, but yeah. <laughs> so we're going to meet up in Annapolis. She's going to show me around. You know, I, I want to make sure I have a nice outfit, and I want to make sure. I've washed my hair, that I smell good, and leave early and stuff, all in preparation for it to go well. I'm just waiting for Saturday. And I feel like I'm almost not nervous because it doesn't feel real. Hey, this is Zach Kahn recording the follow-up about the date. It was really fun. It was a beautiful day out, and it was a Saturday. It was interesting because we're in similar positions. Um, Because we're both living with our parents, which is just funny because even though we're like a good bit into our 20s, it's (laughs) almost high schoolish of figuring out places. Um, But it was great. I don't know. We walked around for like seven hours and talked. We're meeting up again next weekend. And yeah, the pandemic is still on, but I can handle this, which is good.
6: Hi, Sylvia again. I went to visit my grandmother recently. She lives in an apartment building for seniors. And during the pandemic, all the socializing and all the regular events shut down. But last week, things were picking up.
5: Sherry? Weren't you one uh, of the ones that used to play barbecue with us? Catherine. Yeah. Vivian was trying to get a foursome, and I couldn't remember your name. I said she used to play with us. I came down to play Rummy In Vivian's group? Yeah. Yes. Okay, well, I'm Hi. glad. Here's Vivian. Hi. She was the one I was trying to remember. Sherry, yes. Sherry.
4: I don't even know if I know how to play.
5: I can't remember.
4: I thought maybe you would.
5: It will all come back to you. Yeah, I'm sure.
4: We Wait. have another person. Where's Sterling? I left a message. Sure, is well, yeah. always late.
6: How often did you guys play before the pandemic?
4: We used to play every night. Every night we were here playing. And it was just part of us, you know? There was a woman from Venezuela, and she loved the game. She died, and she left her set. 14. And she left it to me. 14? When I go, <laughs> it's it's going to be here. I mean, it's going to stay here. Hello there. All right. Who knows okay. how to play Rummy Because we have to. Sherry's going to teach us. Sherry so what do we? Fourteen. We need 14. Fourteen. You have to have, and you put them all the same color. Yeah. Okay. This way. Yes. Yeah, stand it up. Is this a nine or a six? I think it's a six. That's a six.
5: Well, I just been zooming with my my sister. Had her 90th birthday today, and she has seven children, and everybody was on. Was, everybody was zooming, and everybody was talking at the same time. It was well, zooming is not my greatest thing. <laughs> oh no, I zoom now. I zoom for the exercise. I don't.
4: What's this one? Is this a special one? That's a, yeah, okay. that's
5: the one that yeah, that's the really cool. cool. very nice. That's that anything.
6: Happens. So this it's, game has really been like over a year
5: uh, in the making since March. It's the, the the fact that we had no social outlet is terrible. Awful. You don't it. You know, when you're older, no. you need it.
4: This thing has just thrown everything. We're just getting back to normalcy now. It is so wonderful. My daughter said to me tonight, Mom, you're sounding like you're like you're happy again. I met another resident and I said, I don't know why, I just feel like crying. You see, the busyness is what will energize me. Even if I'm tired, I push myself out, I get that walk in the afternoon after lunch. Because there's people around, and we sit in the sun somewhere. We find a good spot. It's been very windy. So we make the most of it. Very good, Shirley. Where'd you put that? She put the 11th. 11. Good. Doing well. You're all doing well except me. No, you're doing fine. How does it feel? It feels great.
5: Flexing an old
4: muscle, huh? That's right. Feels good, doesn't it? I she pass like old times. Very good. And then she, the game's over. Beautiful, Sherry. I'm proud of you. Very nice. I'm Sherry, so I can't tell you how you. great it is to see you. But, and I hope I see you. And soon.
5: I'm so glad I finally remember your name. Used to eat and I have the painting that you gave me that you made. Remember when you came for coffee one time? You bought me a painting. I enjoy playing with you, lady. We'll have many more times together.
4: Tuesday night is Rummy Q night. Okay. Seven o'clock. Remember that.
6: After I recorded with the group, Shirley passed away. Her son told me, quote, my mother was sustained during this difficult year through her friendships, and she was fortunate to see some of those friends again, face-to-face before she died.
1: A most sincere thanks to everyone in this segment who shared their stories with the show. It has been a rough year, but it feels like we're turning a corner and there are brighter days ahead. Sylvie Douglas produced that segment. Thank you, Sylvie. This week, It's Been a Minute was produced by Janae West, Andrea Gutierrez, Sylvie Douglas, and Liam McBain. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. We had engineering support this week from Neil Rauch and Brian Jarbo. Special thanks to Megan Kane, Bridget DeChagas, Caroline Dries, Josh Balber, Joseph Fridman, Iris Namark, Zach Kahn, Katie Schnack, Christy Berry, Leslie Beckett, Megan Reynolds, Chuck Goldstone, and Sherry, Vivian, Catherine, and Shirley. Our director of programming is Steve Nelson, and our big boss is NPR's senior VP of programming, Anya Grundman. All right, listeners, till next time, keep smiling, keep finding those signs of life. I'm Sam Sanders. We will talk soon.